Um, most of us today are going through some kind of a testing in your faith. And I don't think we actually like the word testing when it comes to God or Christianity because it seems like it has no grace in it. And so how many of you actually know that God is testing you today in some capacity? You are going through the test of your life, and you may not have put it that way, because a lot of Christianity in America will reduce grace into something where God doesn't actually need you to be better. He'll just do something anyway, that God will just pour out his favor and his blessing in your life, and that you actually don't have to become the greatest version of yourself in order to see his blessings come. And so we don't like testing because it has to do with our, our principal or our schoolmaster or our teachers that have put us through tests just to see us fail. And so when we think of divine testing, we don't actually have a paradigm for it because we always think about human testing. The way that man tests us, the ways that your bosses test you or your professors or your teachers is not the same as how God tests us. And I... Um, I'm always reminded of when I was in school. Actually, I'm in school right now at Fuller, too. And every, every week we have a, a verbal quiz, an oral quiz. And the professor will just call, you, call, call out on you. And they do it graciously. It's not like a super big deal. But you have to know your stuff. And usually what I do is I just sit there and memorize things right before the oral exam. And right after the exam... Literally, the information that I just stuffed in my brain just exits. It's just like liquid. It just disappears, and I never think about it again. And sometimes, when we think of our own faith life, when God gives you a word, when God tells you to do something, when he instructs you to do something, all you're trying to do is carry it to the finish line. But what ends up happening is you don't get changed in the process, and you actually just stay the same. And what's worse is it makes you worse because you didn't go through the process of faith. You just got the word and you just, you were anxious until it finished. Yeah, sometimes you're just anxious until something is done and you think and you call that faith. But that's actually not faith. And so today we're going to talk about someone in scripture that probably got, that got tested in a way that you and I will never get tested because it's not, it wouldn't be accurate to our life today. And this comes from Genesis chapter 22. This is Abraham. And we see in Abraham a faith that can actually be a model to how we approach our faith life. And so we're going to read from Genesis 22, 1 through 19. This story makes me nervous. And especially if you don't read it and you just expect the, the age-old answers, if you actually read it, with a new lens today in the spirit, something will, precious will be deposited into all of us. Let's, let's read this and then let's pray. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham. He tested him. By the way, he also loved him. So testing, love, sometimes the same thing. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you Love, reminiscent of, for God so loved the world. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, and again, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, that you have something to speak to each person here. And we thank you, Lord, that in these next few moments, that you would reveal yourself clearly and not mysteriously. Maybe some have come here in fog but they will leave with clarity. So come, Holy Spirit, do what you will and do what you must in our lives today. We bless you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Something that I, wanna, that I thought was very significant in this passage is Abraham says, here I am, three specific times. And in each time he says, here I am, he's present to his faith journey, but in a different way. So the first time he says, here I am, it's, he's actually saying it to God, right? Abraham, Abraham gives him instruction. God says, Abraham, and, uh, and, and as a response, he says, here I am. That means I am available to you. I am your servant, and whatever you say, I will do. Now, when you read this text, it's written so matter-of-fact that he, he hears a word from God that seems ridiculous, that he would kill the very promise by which future descendants would come, and it seems matter of, matter of fact, and he was quick. He said the next morning he arose and he did it, and he went towards it, right? He went towards the direction that God was calling, calling him. And so sometimes when you look at people of faith, it seems as if 
the thing that they do next is very matter-of-fact. Whereas when we are looking from the outside, we are expecting torture. And we don't know if he actually went through torture. I would imagine that internally he actually did. But when the story is told, it's, it's very matter-of-fact. And But what's, what's actually happening on the inside is probably much more deeper and more strenuous than we actually assume. So the first here I am is to God. And so when, we hear, when he hears a word of instruction from God, the obedience is very quick. And his, the thing about Abraham at this point in his life is his obedience is very instinctual. And we're going to talk about why later on today in this sermon. We're going to talk about why his obedience seems to be very instinctual. But before we get to that, we have to look at his other here I am's. So the second here I am that he says is actually not to God, but it's to his son who is about to die, figuratively at least. And so in verse 7, Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father, and he said, here I am, my son. And I think this is very interesting that he's not saying, here I am. Here I am available to you, God. Here I am available. I'm a humble servant to only you, the word of God. He's also saying, here I am, to the very circumstance that he's in. And this is very important. I'm going to spend a long time on this second here I am. And we can, the third here I am, you guys know, is when he's taking the knife up and he's about to kill his son. And the angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. And we'll get to that. But I think the second one is a thing that we most often overlook in our Christian faith. So we can look at chapter 22 and this story as stages of faith, stages of the here I am. It's the here I am that you hear the word from God. There's the here I am where you're present to the actual situation. You don't dismiss the voice of Isaac, the voice of your child, the voice of the circumstance, the thing that's actually difficult. You don't dismiss that in faith. You're actually present to it. And then there's the third here I am, where God actually provides a solution, right? But let's stay, let's stay on the second one. And this is interesting here because Abraham is attentive to Isaac in a way that seems very reverential. And when God gives us a word, we have a tendency to not address those who are actually impacted by the word. Do you know that there are ministers that all in the name of God, they will leave their families and children's behind and they will go for six months at a time and they will do God's work. And this may, I don't know how you feel about it. I don't actually think it's right. (laughs) Because it's actually really easy to leave your family behind in the name of God and go do whatever you want independently and let the hard things happen at home. And so I know some of that is cultural, but just because it's cultural doesn't mean it's right. It's present in my own culture. And so in some ways, when God gives us a word, we think that we have to execute and carry out the word in a by any means necessary fashion. And I want to tell you today that even Abraham did not do that. 
Even at, in the most dire of circumstances, he was actually present. His faith moved him to be present to his son right then and there. I have, you guys, I wasn't going to talk about it, but there was a picture of my concert that's happening on July 22nd. And in some ways, it's just a concert. It's not a big deal. In some other ways, it's like a really, really big deal. And it's a really big deal for me personally because it's, this might be my final concert as Jivo, and it's going to be done at the highest level possible at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. And it involves a lot of people and a lot of money and a lot of sacrifice. And I actually did not want to do it because I don't really feel like I'm in a stage of my life where I can give to do something at that type of level with the amount of restraints that are in my life. And so what can tend to happen with my personality is that I have a by any means necessary personality so that when God gives me, God very clearly told me this is something I want you to do and this is an opportunity that I want you to do and it's going to be very easy for me in the way that I'm wired to take that and execute. That's my natural human way is to just take it and no matter what, what's in my way, I bulldoze my way through to get it done. And I won't even enjoy it. I don't even care about enjoying it. I just have to get it done because God said to do it, right? And you know what I'm realizing is that in the midst of, in the midst of trying to prepare for this concert, God is actually putting me to test, to a test. And it's not the, actually the test that you may think it is from, a, from, a, from the other side, you may think, oh, yeah, this is a test to see, you know, the culmination of all your giftings is going to be presented on July 22nd. That's a lot of pressure. It's the culmination to do something at a very high level. God is testing me to see how I do it. That's actually not the test at all. I actually don't think God cares much about that in this case. I hope it's good. But I actually think what God is testing me in, he's testing me in this Stage two, here, here am I. Am I saying here am I to all the things that are important and valuable? Because where God is taking me in the next decade, it will require me to say here, here am I to my family, my wife, my children, and still be able to do things like July 22nd. That's the test. The test is not July 22nd. The test is not the promise. The test is how available am I to the here am I's around me, the, all the people that are requiring things of me. How, how am I able to handle that? How am I able to be faithful in the small things along the way? How am I able to handle anxiety in the middle, in the middle of being six weeks away from something that actually is very stressful? It's very, very stressful. It's not life and death stressful, but it's like secondary stressful. And that is the nature of, of God. That is the nature of our faith. Because in this interaction between Abraham and Isaac, something very precious happens from Abraham's side. Abraham said in verse 8, in response to his son, being present to the situation, he says, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. The entire prophetic trajectory, Christology, Christ, the Christ, the, 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 the way to Jesus almost prophetically was said right here 
only while Abraham was present to the second here I am, Isaac. There are going to be times in our life where you will be forced to address your loved ones in the middle of your strain, in the middle of your faith journey. You will be forced to have an answer to those that love you, even when you have no idea what the answer is. Can you imagine? I know one day that my girls will look to me and say, Daddy, why is this happening to me? It's going to be like probably five or six years from now, maybe 10 years, and I'm not speaking it into existence because I know that's called life. It's just life. Bad things happen, and they will say, why is this happening to me? And me, who will not be equipped to actually answer that question, I will have to have the faith to tell them and lead them to Jesus in the middle of our faith crisis. I appreciate those of you who are working on something and you bring it to prayer every day. I know some of y'all bring it to prayer. It's like a broken record. It's the same thing that we're praying about. I think it's great. I also want to make sure that you know that there are other things going on in other people's lives. Sometimes Christians just need to know that. (laughs) There's other things going on in other people's lives. It's not just you and your walk with God. We are actually responsible to love people in the middle of whatever it is your strain is. It's It's not diminishing the weight of your struggle. It's not diminishing what's happening to you. But those who are able to look out at the same time of dealing with the thing that they have to deal with are the ones that are going to be mighty in the land in the next 10 years. If you want to be in the future, if you want to live with the substance of God in the future and today, the way to do it is to learn how to be present to the, to the journey of your faith. And guess what? It's not just your faith. It's the journey of our faith. It's the journey of what's happening Corporately, in our families, we have to be able to look at what other people are going through in the midst of your present circumstance. You want to be someone like that. You want to be someone who, while addressing Isaac, even though addressing Isaac is not the, is not the task of the day, right? In 22, addressing Isaac is not the task. The task is to actually sacrifice your one and only son. But Abraham is present to that. And I just felt today while reading this that some of you have to, God wants to equip you to be present to your faith circumstance and to actually respond. Respond in a way that will bring out the prophetic word from God in your life and those around you. And and, and sometimes we could feel like imposters because we ourselves don't really know the answer. But we know that God will provide the sacrifice. And so your faith can't actually be shown until you are present to your journey. What does it mean to actually pay attention in the midst of your faith journey. In this, in this aspect of your life, what does it mean to actually pay attention? Like for me, I am, a, I am always uh, 
quick, I'm an if-only person. You remember like in John 5 where Jesus is uh, healing the man who's been paralyzed for 38 years? And, and he says, if only, uh, you know, because there was, there, was a, there was a story that if whoever's the, when the angel stirs the water, whoever's the first person to step in gets healed. And, he, and when Jesus says, do you want to be made well? He says, well, if only, if only someone was there to, to put, put me in. If only somebody was there to put me in. And so for, for some of us today, the opposite of faith for you is if only. Because you look at other people, you look at another way out. You look at other people's situations. One of the things I struggle with is I always look at my restraints and I say, well, if only I didn't have this restraint, then I can do X, Y, and Z. Right? If only these, the, the circumstance was a little bit more free, then things would be easier for me to, to, to accomplish. And so as, as we're paying attention to our journey in faith, these if-onlys come up. And today the Holy Spirit says, no, if only you look at me. If only you look to me, then you won't have to covet somebody else's situation. You won't have to covet a life that's that's more free, apparently more free, not really free, but what looks looks easier, looks simpler. See, we usually think our Christianity or testimony will shine at the end of the story. And since we're already on this story of my concert, I just hope that my testimony like shines right now. That when you guys come on July 22nd, you, like, the testimony is not, wow, that was a really good show. The testimony was like, you were a really good husband, friend, father, and all of that in the middle of it. Because that's the new great. Like, greatness is not doing one thing well and then forsaking all the other parts of your life. Greatness is actually a holistic greatness. You don't get to be really good at something and terrible at everything else. <laughs> that, that's, that's no longer appealing. We don't need that. We, we have many of those things. There's documentaries on Hulu that talk about that. I'm not going to say which one. There are people, your children will be asking you, why is this happening to me? And you also at the same time, we'll be asking God, why is this happening to us and even our child? And you will have an answer for them if you are present to your faith's, faith journey. They, the third here I am, let's take a look at the text. In Genesis 22, comes in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham, sorry, in verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son, from me. So let's say we hear a word from God. God gives us an instruction. Let's say we actually deal with the instruction really well. 
and we're present to, present to the Isaac. We're present to our circumstance. We're present. We're fully engaged. And we're not just, we're not just uh, mindlessly trying to uh, memorize things and then spew them out and forget it. Let's say we're actually being formed in the process. Well, guess what? God also has a solution for us. There's also the third here I am, which is God's solution in your life. Who's ready for a solution? Who's actually ready to be delivered? Do you want that? And here's the thing. Some of us are so obedient, quote-unquote, to the point where we hold the knife, but we don't know when to let go. We don't actually know what it's like to complete a cycle of faith. We've, we, we hear the word from God, we do the work from God, but we don't actually wait for God to show us the promise or show us the deliverance. Because I don't know about you, but I'm this type of way. I, I don't actually wait for God's solution sometimes. Because I always think that my, my goodness and like my honor and God's honor cannot coexist. I have a way of thinking that the carpet is going to be pulled from my feet and I'm going to look like an idiot and that's how God's going to get his glory. By humbling me and making me look bad and that's how, that's how everyone's going to know, okay, he did the work or something like that. Some of us don't actually know how to hear from God when he has a solution in your life because you're so used to things being difficult. And I just wonder, what would it look like for you to be positioned in such a way where you can actually hear God for the solution in your life? Maybe you hear God for the instruction. Maybe you're present to your faith journey, but you can't actually hear the solution. And so today, wherever you are, you might be on the number one, number two, or number three. But wherever you are, know that God is going to take you all the way to number three. He's not testing you for the sake of a test. He's actually purifying your faith. He's, he's, he's giving you endurance. He's giving you clarity. He's changing you. He's pulling everything inside of you. He's pulling everything inside of you to the surface so that you know who you are. Because your current state, the current test that you're going through is not a test in of, of itself. It's to push you into the future. It's not for just now. It's not for just now. It's because God sees your entire life in the future. And he knows that if you pass this test and if you do it well, that the future is going to look very bright. The future needs you. It needs you at your best. And I, I, I felt in prayer this morning that, that some of us are, are really bad at, at, at hearing the solution. We can hear the instruction. We can hear even how to be present. But we don't know where the deliverance comes from because we don't. There's a part about God that we don't actually trust. And so today, the Holy Spirit wants to relieve that from you. That he wants you to hear the good words of lay not a hand on Isaac. Lay not a hand on Isaac. And I know it's hard because I know I myself have got so accustomed to always pulling the trigger at my dreams. 
of always feeling like I have to, I have to sacrifice a little bit more. And it's ridiculous because, because if I look at the actual circumstances of my life, God has, God has given me so much more than he's required of me. And yet something in my humanity, something in my broken, fallen state is always waiting for something to go wrong. You know, Lydia and I are business owners, and um, we're, the week after my concert, we're uh, opening up a second Montessori preschool at Lake Avenue Church. And it's all happening at the same time. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, your phone, like, it's not nine to five. It's like your phone is available 24 hours a day. And when we get phone calls from, like, staff or leasing or, or, or licensing, I never think it's a good phone call. Like, I never, I never think, oh, this is going to be great. Not even once, not even one time. And so, I, I, and so as I was reading this and, and preparing for today, I said, I wonder if that's unhealthy. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you think? I wonder if this season of my life is preparing me to not think every phone call is going to be bad news. You know why? Because I always ask God to be used. But God is never going to use me at the expense of, one, my character and my internal life, my inner world with him. And so I feel like the test right now is to learn how to know the part of God that gives solutions and puts that at the forefront of my, my being. That understands the God who actually gives, he's, he's so good that in the midst of the test, he will give you answers. He's the cheat sheet. And so that when I get a phone call from licensing or from fire clearance or from the Walt Disney Concert Hall or from the school or when I have to attend to my children or if my wife needs something or if my friends need something, my family, whatever it may be, that I can go in peace. I will tell you right now, I'm not there. I'm preaching to you and I'm not there. I still struggle with anxiety. I, sh- I still struggle with uncertainty. And I'm not fully sure about the, the, the wall that is God that is completely secure. I'm growing in it. But one thing I will tell you is I've identified the test. I know what I have to work on. I know it. And so every day I'm like, okay, God, I got you. I know the structure of this test. For some of you, the Lord is, is using today so that you can identify and get a grasp on the structure of your test. You're getting the, the, the template, the handbook. What exactly is the test that I'm in? Don't be fooled that it's just to get to the finish line. No, because there's formation. There's, there's areas of formation. And once you identify the areas of formation, you can attack it every single day. Isn't it amazing that God wants to give you the study guide? He wants to actually give you the framework by which you can develop. There is, there is, he has in his mind like a formation for you. It's specifically designed for you. If you're willing to walk in this adventure of faith, he literally has a handbook for you that he wants to give you and say, read this. 
This is the stuff that you don't even know about your own life. If you read it and if you understand it, I can form you and I can prepare you because in the next decade of your life, you will need it for greater things to come. I really, 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 really do believe that greater things are coming for each one of you and for this church. There are things at VCF that I'm still waiting for. And it's been like 18 years since I'm here. But it's coming. It's still coming. Some of you, some of you are, you're waiting for something. And God is saying, I know that. But in order for me to get you there, I need you to fall in love with the formation. I need you to fall in love with all the things that nobody else knows about, that nobody else can see, that don't get talked about a lot, but it's between you and me. And I have a specific, specific plan for you. Once you understand that God is like a coach and he actually has a plan for you, things get very, very exciting. Your whole structure, the way that you come to church, the way that you walk to church, the way that you pray, the way that you get on prayer calls, or when, uh, when you see things in the world that's even secular, it all falls in line in your playbook. Whatever small playbook we have, everything falls in line. It's, all, it's sharpening. It's making better. It's making you better. Don't forsake this. If you take anything from today, Understand that God has a plan of formation for each of you. Catch on to it. Tell people about it. Hold people, make people hold you accountable to that. Because that's actually what's going to, going, to, going to give you all the substance you need to not only complete this faith cycle, but to go in the next one stronger and better. What in your life today is preventing you from hearing God's solution? I want you to spend today, God will tell you today, I want you to spend today and talk to your spouse, talk to your friends, talk to somebody about this. Talk to them about your formation playbook and why you can't actually enter into this space where you can hear God's solution for your life. And this is a very important question. I think verse 13 and 14 may even answer some of this. Let's take a look at it. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it, it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. When Abraham does this, do you notice that the angel of the Lord or God himself did not have to tell him to do that? He, he instinctually, no one told him to sacrifice what was provided. I mean, he could have looked up, seen the ram and just said, thank you, God, for not killing my son. And he instinctually knew it. You see, because when you are a person of faith, you know that your life is, is, is geared towards worship. You know that your life is, is moving towards worship. So there are things that you instinctually do that no one has to tell you about. And so this is very important. He then calls the place the Lord will provide. 
He immediately, the, the, the story of Genesis 22 is the Lord will provide. It's actually not Abraham's faith. Do you see this? It's not about Abraham's faith necessarily. It's the fact that the Lord will provide. Now we in 2023, whenever the Lord provides, we actually try to make it a story about our faith. Abraham did not put faith in his faith. He put his faith in God. And there's some of us today, you're so, you're hell-bent on wanting to make sure that your faith is good, your faith is strong, your faith is good. It's all about your, you, your faith, your ability to have enough faith to do the things that God has for you. But I want to say to you, it's not actually even about your faith. It's about the fact that the Lord will provide. That's the slogan of the day. The, the, your, your eyes have to be turned away from just your faith. It has to be turned to Jesus. It has to be turned to the one who provides. That's faith. <laughs> that is actually faith. When it's not some self-conscious um, analysis of how you're doing today. Do you know that this could be the amount of faith you have? Let's just say my hand is the amount of faith you have. Do you know that some days you will feel terrible terrible about that faith. And some days, you'll feel really good about that faith. But do you know what? The amount of faith that you have is still the same. Because faith is a substance. It doesn't matter if you feel good some days about your situation. It doesn't matter if you feel bad about your situation. Your spirit will actually detect how much faith you have and where you're at. So it doesn't matter how you feel. So it doesn't matter how you've analyzed your faith right now. And some of us today, including myself, sometimes we think about our life with God and how is my faith doing today? I just want you you to try something. Don't worry about it. Every day when I wake up in the morning, I say... Uh, the Jesus prayer, like 50 times in my head. And, so, and I already know that when I wake up in the morning, I'm probably not where I'm supposed to be. I already know that. <laughs> I've, already, I've already determined this. I've determined that during the course of the day, there's some hours where things don't feel that great, and there's some hours where things feel pretty good. I've already determined that. Once you resolve that, you no longer have to evaluate yourself. That's why Paul says, I don't even judge myself. You don't have to calibrate yourself anymore. You don't have to think about, hmm, how how am I doing right now? Just look at God. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide is the banner of Genesis 22, not Abraham's faith. The story is that the Lord will provide. What are ways that you place your faith in faith? We are not instructed to put our faith in faith. And and our humanity will curve ourselves into what we must do when the main event is move out of the way and let God do what he does. Move out of the way. We're going to end in Hebrews 11. And this is really important because Hebrews 11 tells two parts about Abraham. One, when, when Abraham was called, which is probably in Genesis 15, 
And then it comes to 22, but let's look at Hebrews 11. Let's look at, let's, let's, let's read, let's read first, actually, 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up by, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able to even raise someone from the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. I want to I read this one part here, verse 17. By, by faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac, he who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son. He was, another version would say, he was prepared. He was ready. He, he was ready. Now, what makes somebody ready to do such a ridiculous thing? What makes someone so prepared to do such an incomprehensible thing? Let's look at 8 to 12. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. His children imitated them, him. For he looked forward to the city that, was, that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So when you come down to verse 17, he is ready to offer up his only son because he had already practiced faith earlier, earlier in Genesis. He who had received the promise was ready. Someone who is ready has already resolved something in their spirit and in their heart and even in their flesh. Someone who is ready, someone who is prepared to to give up the, the most precious thing in their life, has something happened before, right? Something happened way before. And what I want you guys to realize is this. If you have a million dollars in your pocket, if someone gave you a million dollars in a briefcase and they said, uh, I want you to hold this million dollars for me and I'm going to pick it up on Wednesday. And when they pick it up on Wednesday, you won't really have an issue with it because it's not yours. <laughs> it's actually not yours. It's the million dollars is literally not yours. And the circumstance resolved, the circumstance resolved to you that the million dollars is not you. They said, if you can keep it till Wednesday, we'll give you $200,000. So it's just a win-win for you. You have already resolved that the million dollars does not belong to you. Now, a lot of us, 
have received, received something. We have a talent. We have a gift. We have something that God is working on in our life, but we have not resolved that it belongs to God. Because you actually think it's yours and that God is asking for you to sacrifice it. And then you'll never be ready. You'll never be ready when you assume that the thing that God is asking from you is yours. And I would suggest to you that a life of faith starts with a resolution in your spirit and also quite possibly in just your logic. Maybe it's a resolution in your logic. What belongs to you and what belongs to God? If you think that anything belongs to you, you will have a very difficult time in a life of faith because you have not resolved that it's not yours. You have not resolved that it belongs to God. And someone who is resolved is someone who is okay with their logic surrendering to the logic of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say something and it might sting. I would like for it to sting. It's okay. But maybe some of you have only experienced faith when the word from God corresponds with your brain. And you have thought that because God is so humble enough to work like that, that you have thought that that's a life of faith. You have thought that when God tells you something and then you resonate with it immediately, and it doesn't actually require much sacrifice and, and counter your own logic, and it actually happens and it comes through and it was tough, but God made it work. You have thought that that's all there is to your life of faith. And I want to tell you personally today that any t- anything that God has done in my life or my family's life has made no sense. The things that God has called us to, and I can't tell you the details of it, one, because it's personal, two, because it'll take too long. It doesn't actually make sense. Like Instagram won't like it. The blog sites don't, don't, don't say, oh, this is a wise thing to do. This is a smart thing to do. Now, I'm not trashing logic. Reason and logic are very, very important. Use it. Some of us just need to really use it. But what I am saying is that when God tells you something, it may resonate with your logic or it may not. And more often in a life of faith, it will not. And some of us haven't actually experienced this. Whatever this is, some of us haven't experienced this. See, if, if, if maybe God said, I have another job for you, and so you waited until you got that job, and then you walked into that job. Maybe God said, I have a house for you, and so you waited until you had the down payment and everything made sense. You put the money down and you got the house. That's good, right? That's really good. That's really, really good. Continue to do that. But I would always also say that God can also speak to you maybe when you don't have another job. God can also speak to you maybe when you don't have the down payment for a house. When I started, when we started this preschool that is now a decently successful one, I quit my job way before we started. Completely quit. No money coming in, nothing. 
because I was very desperate for God to move, for God to work. Sometimes when I bought my first house, I was 23 years old. I didn't have any money in my bank account, nothing. But I knew we were in a dire situation. I actually had to buy a house because I couldn't afford to rent. <laughs> so that's why I bought I was 23. Sometimes logic, logic does not work because your logic is not logic. It's irrational. God is the one that's rational. And so I want to say to you, if you have not experienced the work of God in your life where it was counter your logic, you might be feeling stuck. And if you are feeling stuck, God wants to free you. But the, and here's what happens. Remember, Abraham had three here I am's, right? He had three. Here I am to the word of God. Here I am to Isaac. Here I am to his deliverance via the angel of the Lord, which is actually God. I want to say to you that there was a fourth here I am. And that fourth here I am started when God called Abram to Abraham before. That's the fourth here I am. That's the invisible here I am. That's the here I am that happened before he got to the next level. Now, some of us, we have, to, we have to start with the invisible here I am in order for God to take us to the crazy promises that he has for you. This invisible here I am will make you the type of person that will be ready to hear the next word from God. You want to hear the next word from God, you haven't even heard the first word from God. You can't say, here I am to these big promises when you, were not, when you have not proved faithful to the invisible here I am, which is the formation piece. And this is, why, this is why Hebrews says that even though it didn't make sense, Abraham was ready. He was prepared to do such a thing because he had been formed when God called him, when God gave him Isaac, when, when he was over 100 years old. And I can't remember how old Sarah was, probably 99 or something like that. So he already knew, oh, this is, I have nothing to do with ownership of this. See, I feel the same way about, at this point, everything in my life. That doesn't make the sacrifice or the obedience necessarily easier, but it makes it possible. See what I'm saying? When you know that something is from God, it just makes your spirit possible and open to giving it to him so that he can do things beyond your wildest imagination. Again, I want to be very clear. Reason and logic is wonderful. Intellectualism is great. Use it. Use it until it ends. (laughs) Think, 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 think. Weigh, cost, balance, and then let it end. And then let and then when it doesn't work, allow God to come in. Amen? Today, the Lord wants you guys two big things. He's giving you a blueprint, a study guide to your spiritual formation. And he's asking you to allow him to work despite you. Imagine if you are a vessel that's formed for God and that he can work and still do his his remarkable things through you or not. Imagine if you can hold both of those intention where you're so committed to your spiritual formation 
And then God could still work, work in and through you and beyond you at the same exact time. That's what we want, right? That's what you'll do. That's, that's why we come to this church, right? We'll do anything to see God move and form us at the same exact time. And they're not mutually exclusive. They happen together. Let's pray. In many ways, the rest of your life can begin right now if you want it to. Come, Holy Spirit, here we are. There's many things we don't know, and there's many things that we cannot control. But we just say to you, Lord, here we are. I, I just like to practically just even pray through the three here I ams. And, and with every head bowed, eyes closed, God, if there is some, I pray for those of us who are first here I am that, that are struggling to just hear your voice right now, hear your word of instruction in a specific way. If, there, if that's you, if you're in, if that first here I am, that you want to be obedient to the voice of God's instruction on your life, if you can just put your hands up so I can pray for you. Yep, I see all of you. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray right now that these ones who are waiting for your instruction, that you would tune them to you right now in such a way that hears your love, experiences your presence, and also hears what you would want them to do now. The second group, the second here I am, for those of you who you've heard the instruction of God, but now you're, you're wanting to do it well. You're wanting to be present to your families, to your friends, to, to the people around you. You're wanting to do it well. You're wanting to be formed. You're wanting to have a blueprint of your formation right now. Just put up your hand right now so we can pray for you. Yes, yep. See all of you. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would show them by your grace the ways in which you want them to move and be formed in you right now. The actual things that you want them to pray about, the people to pray for, the small groups or the accountability groups that you want them to be around right now. Come, Holy Spirit. We can only do it by your, your grace right now. And then there are those that you've, you've done those two here I am's and you're, you need God to deliver. You need God to give you a solution in something right now. You need deliverance. And you've been faithful and he's asking for deliverance. If, if, and you're asking for deliverance. If that's any of you here, just put up your hand. see all of you. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that it is you and by your word alone where we can have relief, where there is a way out. And even if it's through the fire, you're giving us a solution right now. And in the middle of that, there are those of you that you so desperately want to be formed the invisible here I am. 
You want to be people that are ready to be taken to the next faith journey, the next cycle of faith, so to speak. So that when God asks you something, you instinctually know what, what to do. You don't hesitate. You don't delay. We just break the spirit of delaying right now in Jesus' name. Over this entire church, every area that's a delay, it's an utter waste of time, that it's another year that it's all the same. We break it right now, and we ask, Lord, for your supernatural levity and freedom right now. So if, it, if that's you, that you want the invisible, here I am. Just put your, slide your hand up right now. Amen. Yes, God. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that today is the day of your healing, your emotional, your physical, your mental healing, and that you want to do it right now. With every head bowed and eyes closed right now, come Holy Spirit. There's anyone with a an, uh, right ankle, like an ankle pain, struggling with walking. There's anyone, please come up. Come up. I feel like God wants to heal you. You're specifically your right ankle. Is there anyone else, also? Your right ankle. Feel free to come up if if that's you. We're gonna enter into a time of minis- uh We're gonna enter into a time of uh, prayer. The prayer team can come up, and um, we're going to pray for people for either anything you heard today during the sermon or anything, any requests that you have, please come up. The service is now officially over, but in a lot of ways, the ministry time is the most significant part. God bless you guys.